mercy never failed me All my days I've been held in your hand From the moment that I wake up Until I lay my head I will sing of the goodness of God All my life you have been faithful All my life you have been so, so good With every breath that I am able I will sing of the goodness like no
step of the way and see your goodness no matter what we go through we can always trust that you are sovereign and in control and God we want to live every moment for you so God guide us and remind us of your faithfulness even when we don't see it God you are working In your name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. Morning. So I forgot one announcement today. Um, it was the whole dynamic around COVID and what we're going to be doing here. So we're still in the process. I know things changed on Friday as far as going to all clear. We're still trying to sort through what that means. As far as here, we'd love for you to keep your masks on while you're moving around. But while you're sitting, you can remove them for the time being until we figure out what that looks like. But if you stand up and start singing and stuff, we'd like for you to keep them on just because we're still trying to figure out how that works. We know that probably the way I sing, things come flying out and stuff. So um, let's, let's just do that, be responsible for that. And then when you get up and move around, please put your masks back on. We are trying to figure out what that looks like, so just continue to bear with us. All this is new for us as well. We want to make sure that we honor what's going on, but also not stop worshiping the Lord. The last thing, I'm, I'm guessing maybe June 1st, we're still talking about this, but it would be great if, if we would, would do away completely with the sign-up list. So I'm hoping that we're close to that, and that'll just be a first-come, first-served. We're also hoping to add a few more chairs in here, so just to let you know how that works and what we're praying about. So just be praying with us. We want to make sure that we do it right, we do it well, and we continue to be about community here. So let's, uh, let's just bow our heads one last time, or maybe one more time after this, maybe two, I don't know. But let's pray. <laughs> Jesus, I thank you for the opportunity to be part of evangelism, to be part of your story, to have my story totally and radically changed and now today to be able to lean into other people's story. Father, I know that this is an intimidating subject for many of us, myself included, but I, I pray that you would give us strength, power, and courage to proclaim, to be about you, to make sure that our lives are examples and models of what you would like them to look like so that we can be light on the hill. I pray these things in your name. Amen. So as you know, we're in the middle of uh, evangelism series right now, and it's a little bit different. We've talked about that there's a lot of different methods and kind of ways that you can go about evangelism. We're talking about three-story evangelism because I think it's one of those ideologies and ways that you can incorporate your personality, the way that you would like to see things happen, into a process that will actually help us on an ongoing basis share our faith with others. Three quadrants, three circles, God's story, my story, and their story. And as we talked about this, many of us think that our first step in evangelism is towards a lost world, when actually our first step in effective, 
ongoing and honest evangelism needs to be towards God. We need to make sure that our first step is in engulfing our lives in a way to the story of God that becomes so much about who we are. We need to learn what his story is. We need to know what the gospel and good news says, not what we think it might say or what the world says, but what scripture says. And the next, we need to be able to identify our rescue story. Like, how was I saved? What did God do to rescue me from sin? What did he do to take me out of the dominion of darkness and bring me into the kingdom of the son that he loves, my redeemer, the one that forgives my sins? And in that, what is my new identity? Because we've got to be able to move in such a way that we're not moving with our old self, but we're moving with our new self. Because we have taken off our old self and its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge and the image of the creator. And then two weeks ago, we talked about the merge, the importance of making sure that my story and God's story come closer and closer together to where there is no distinction between his story and my story. No distinction in the, in the sense that we are so much about God that people would look at us and they wouldn't always just see Kevin, they would see God. They wouldn't always just see Donovan, but they would see God. Gradually and indistinguishably matching our lives to his teaching, his character, his perspective, so that when we move through this world, people truly see the Lord because of the witness that we are. And then today, we're going to talk about their story. This, this whole component of people that are around us that are lost. We spent quite a bit of time identifying what is our heart for the lost. The importance of recognizing that there's really two positions before God. Saved, lost. Going to heaven, not going to heaven. I'm a child of God or I'm still under uh, sin in my life. So as we move into that, I thought, what better way than to just give an amazing story of two people's lives that were, was transformed. And a couple of months ago, I think you guys all remember, Peter and Tracy gave their testimony, and it was transformational. I've heard stories continue to come out of that, and how people have actually changed their habits and their behaviors because of the story. The vulnerability that they brought was, was awesome. I mean, I sat there, and I just was enthralled by the way that they told it, the sensitivity that they had in which they told it, the non-judgment that they had. And today, we get the same. And we get to hear from two people that have been part of this church for a really long time. And I think you're going to be able to see a little bit more about who they are and how they've gotten to this point today. So thank you both. Good morning, Hillside. Um, for those of you that don't know us, we are Sue and Milt Bat, and uh, we are excited to be here this morning. And we are going to be sharing our testimony and our story with you today. Now I'm kidding. <laughs> She's next. Her eyes are starting. She usually gets that after looking at me too long. <laughs> we have actually been members of Hillside Community Church for over 18 years uh, here in Colorado, and prior to that, uh, by long distance, for uh, 
three, three and a half years before even moving to Colorado. When we were out visiting our family, we were always here at uh, Hillside. Um, just a brief history on myself growing up. I was born in San Francisco in 1944. I have three brothers, so we had a large family, a very close-knit family. I am actually Jewish, 100% Jewish. Sue had my uh, ancestry DNA done a few years ago, and I'm as close to 100% Jewish as, <laughs> as there could be. So I grew up in the Jewish faith. Uh, I started Sunday school at a young age and was bar mitzvahed at the age 13 and learned how to speak Hebrew and had to read from a Torah. And uh, this was all part of our upbringing. Well, I was born in 1943, July of 43, in Pasadena, California. And uh, I was raised in the Christian science faith. My dad did not go to church, but he had to take us to Sunday school every Sunday. He insisted that we go, but he, <laughs> he dropped us off and uh, picked us up. And um, I could never really grasp the concept of the Christian science faith. And so when I was, probably when I was in, in senior year of high school after, after graduation, I didn't, didn't want to go to Sunday school anymore. Uh, anyway, consequently, I didn't follow my faith after that at all. So uh, at the age, uh, I think I was a sophomore in high school, we moved up to uh, Lake Tahoe, the Sierra Nevada area. There was no temple in that area, so um, we weren't actively going to temple anymore. Finished high school in that area, and then the next thing was I met the love of my life. And uh, so it's been the love of my life for 55 years. She's always been my strength and my support. She's been with me through everything. So I just, I never don't tell her that enough, but I love her dearly. So we met and we fell in love and uh, I went in the army after that. And then we were married in uh, June of 19, um, you're right, 65. 65, you're right, yeah. It was a long time ago. <laughs> yes, it was, I'm sorry. Our memories aren't as good as they used to be. My parents loved Sue from the minute they met her. There was, uh, they embraced her. If my grandparents had been alive when we were getting married, that would have been another issue because it I It would have been a non-issue. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing would have happened from there. Right. But uh, the fact that I was Jewish and she was of the Christian faith at that time, uh, that wasn't common practice, you know, to intermarriages that way. I think my father and um, some of my dad's, a couple of my dad's sisters mainly, I don't remember that my grandparents were concerned uh, about the different faiths, but um, it was a little hard for my dad, uh, but uh, he knew we loved each other and um, he wanted us to be happy. Over the years, 
They grow to lo love you so much. I can't even explain how I felt at that point because they, they truly adored you in the end. Someone sort of set them straight. <laughs> <laughs> well, after we got married, like most young married couples, we wanted to start a family. Uh, when we tried to start our family, uh, we ran into some problems with getting pregnant. Um, it actually took us seven years. Seven and a half. Seven and a half years to have our, our first son, uh, Brian. Uh, Sue I Hess. he was our only son. Right. <laughs> Sue had uh, three miscarriages prior to getting pregnant with Brian. Before she got pregnant with Brian, we had started adoption procedures. We had uh, sat down and started that process, and then she again got pregnant with Brian, and we were blessed with Brian. And then um, she ended up having another miscarriage between the time Brian and Katie was born. As I've thought about it over the years, God was involved in that process. Um, it was hard at the time, and we're not sure why things worked out the way they did, but looking back on it now, it was, it was totally yeah, a we blessing. Have Brian and Katie. We wouldn't have our two beautiful children that we have, so that's amazing. So we had our two small, beautiful babies, and uh, the next big thing that happened in our life was we found out my mother was extremely ill and had cancer and leukemia and lymphoma and basically only had a couple of years left to live. Uh, they were living in Hawaii. That was her dying wish. She wanted to be in Hawaii. And we decided in 1975 that uh, we wanted to be closer to her and to be there and help my father with what he was going through. So we packed up our family, our two babies, and we moved to Hawaii to be there for them. And uh, it was totally a blessing to be able to spend those extra couple of years with her before she passed away. As the kids grew older, the decision to put them into Christian schools, this was all we could do because the schools in Hawaii were just terrible. Uh, and so... The pu public schools. Public, public schools. schools. Yeah. And um, most of the, uh, the good private schools were Christian schools. And I didn't have any problem with that, but I think Milt did at first, but he, he knew that that would be the best situation for them. So that's, um, they, they grew up in Christian schools over in Hawaii. And as their Christian faith got stronger and stronger and they got involved with youth groups and a, a Hope Chapel, as hard as it was for me, I felt I was always there for them and I respected their decision. I didn't try to, uh, I mean, who was I to try to talk about religion when I wasn't even practicing my faith, so. I wasn't able to share with him um, what I was feeling as far as uh, in my faith. I, I thought I was a Christian all that time. <laughs> And it wasn't until uh, 
Katie was in preschool and I met one of my dear friends over there that uh, she and our two children led me to the Lord. But it wasn't until they were in high school. When I accepted the Lord, um, Suzanne was leading a Bible study for new Christians. and uh, But I hadn't accepted the Lord at that point. Um, but it was it was one of these Bible studies where you, uh, it, one week it was the Bible, one week it was God, one week it was Jesus, and the week we were talking about Jesus, uh, she showed the uh, Jesus film. And I had seen it before, and um, but it wasn't until I saw it the second time that it just hit me what he did for us. And to watch him die on the cross. That's when I, that's when I gave myself to the Lord and just, it, it, it took a long time, but it was then that um, I really realized what I was missing in my life. So at the point that uh, the kids were so involved in their youth group and uh, their Christian upbringing, at that point when they graduated from high school, um, we felt that it would be good for them to um, experience a different um, area of, of Hawaii being such a different culture that we suggested that they come to the mainland to go to college. When um, Katie went off to uh, school for the first uh, month or so, she'd go home every day crying. She wanted to come home. It was only a couple of weeks, and then was she it? met Mike. Yeah, so and after that, was... we didn't hear from her anymore. <laughs> so. anyway. I remember when we took Katie to Westmont, um, I remember she took you off and tried to share Jesus with you and um, you didn't want to have anything to do with it so it was it was a long it yeah. was a long haul um, not being equally yoked it was hard because I wanted to be part of uh, of groups um, at church and I, I was involved, and yet I felt like I couldn't do a lot of things because um, I would leave Milt, and I didn't want to do that. And it was hard for Milt because I remember one of the things that Milt asked me was, why am I not enough? Why, why Jesus um, and not me? And I was a new Christian, and I, it was hard to even explain how I was feeling and why. But um, it, it took a long time and a lot of prayers from a lot of Bible studies. Over 25 years. Over 25 years. Yeah. I missed a lot, but through it all, I, I think I found a lot, too. So. In 2012, toward the end of the year, I found out that I had cancer, and um, which was quite a blow. And then in January, the next year, in 
I had my surgery. But I just remember during that period being very much at peace and very calm with the whole process and what was going on. And I, I knew God was working with me and through me through this whole, I, I just remember the kids and Sue being there and praying for me before I actually went in for my surgery. And uh, I just had a peace about me. Uh, that I remember Kevin Shive, and this was before I had my surgery. I think I was in New York. He had called me and uh, when he had found out and just was such a support system for me and, and was there for me uh, through that whole process. So at that point, I, I think I was to the point where I was ready really to turn my life over to Jesus. Uh, I don't know what was holding me back then, but uh, the final thing that really put me over the top is when our son Brian got so sick and we almost it. lost him. Uh, and the prayers and the support and everything. And uh, I mean, in the two weeks he was in the hospital, he had six surgeries and was in intensive care. And I, I truly just lived at the hospital praying for him yeah. morning and night. And for a parent, to see one of their children go through something like that is, uh, I don't even know how to describe it. But God was with us through that whole process. And I just remember that one day, <clears throat> one day um, when Gus and Kevin and Mike and all the flacks, all the flack boys, came to Brian's room and they were all around the room and everybody praying for Brian. It was, an, I think that was a real changing moment for you to see, see that. Um, and I think that was one of the things that you saw the love um, and you felt I, I think you really felt Jesus in that room. For sure. So at that point, uh, Brian recovered, and uh, I just can't even start to tell you how relieved we were, but through all that, we just knew, and I knew, that God had his hand in bringing Brian back to us. So it wasn't too far after that. I had been thinking about it a lot, and I, kn I knew I was ready. And uh, we had the family over one night, and we were discussing different things. And one thing led to another. And uh, I asked um, Mike and Katie and Brian and Missy, just went back into the bedroom, and we were talking about a few things. Planning a trip planning a trip and uh, a family trip right and uh, it was time and yeah, I he, shared with everyone he shocked us all had us all in tears yep. <laughs> including myself <laughs> family has always been who we are and what we're about and uh, we always include our family in everything that we do and it was it was a special moment 
And I remember after that, uh, not that evening, but or maybe it was that evening, calling Gus and sharing uh, that with him as well. But, uh, it's been a journey for sure, and I'm, I'm sure my children and Sue have been very frustrated with me over the years, but I honestly feel the process You know, there's been times um, people have been curious, and, and uh, before Milt became a Christian, um, it was almost a family joke that um, between the kids and Mike and Katie and Brian and Missy, and um, Milt was so involved in the church, and yet uh, he hadn't uh, accepted the Lord. But we really kind of secretly thought that you were a closet Christian. <laughs> and I mean, you you did so much for others and for for the church and and uh, for us. You've always been so giving and loving. And um, I think a lot of people didn't even realize that you hadn't accepted Christ. <laughs> and uh, yet you still came to church. You supported us. You always were a support to us. Seeing the way uh, uh, all our grandkids were growing up in the church and everything, I just wanted to be there as a support system. But underneath it all, without coming right out and saying it, I think I was there already. Uh, but I hope maybe, maybe that answers some questions for a few of you that weren't too sure who I was and what it was all about. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people thought I was a closet Christian, which is certainly I was coming to church, I was involved and everything, but I really hadn't taken that final step of proclaiming that uh, Jesus Christ was my Lord and Savior. And uh, at the time that we all got together, the family, and went in the bedroom, we're talking for a little bit, and I declared it at that point. Uh, that's when I really felt I had come home. Sometimes I think about uh, what my parents would be thinking of me now if they were still alive and, and the direction I've taken, but they were always so forward-thinking and so supportive in anything and everything we did that uh, I know they'd be behind me 100%, so. But I, I through all this, I, I, I go back to our family and watching our family grow in their faith and just how amazingly proud we are of both Katie and Brian and their families and watching our grandkids grow up in the church and uh, what a special blessing it's been for, I, I, I can't even put it into words. It's just, it's such a amazing feeling. And I love coming to church every week. I love the worship. I love being involved. I love seeing my family up there. It's just so special. And Hillside has been such an important part of our lives. In closing, I would just like to say that we have been so extremely blessed uh, 
we are truly blessed in our lives. nuggets in that. First of all, thank you. It takes courage. I know the first time I came to Milton and said, hey, got an idea for you. I think he just, he just walked away. <laughs> He's like, that, that's not going to happen. Second, um, I think you look just like Jason. I love those pictures. <laughs> you thought that too? I was like, my goodness. Handsome fella. But three, never grow weary of doing good. For he who begins a good work in us will see it on to completion. 25 years, we hear a lot of different testimonies. I think the testimonies that sometimes we like to put up front are those whose lives have drastically been changed. An evidence, boom and boom. But the progression is also important. The thing I love about your story, Mel, is you were always a good guy. You always did well. You worked hard. You provided for your family. In the midst of that, the world would say, what's the point? What do you need? And in the end, Milt, you answered that question that you asked of your wife. Why am I not good enough? And in the end, you realized that nothing you were doing was good enough, that you still needed Jesus. And you need to confess that, not just to yourself, but to the people around you. We did talk about it a lot. We talked about the story of when. We knew it was going to happen. We were all part of, like, I think we had even, like, these meetings, like, how are we going to accomplish this? How are we going to go after Milt. And in the end, we just prayed diligently. And part of what we're going to unpack today is, I think, the way that this evangelism process should look. Because I know everybody probably has one or two people in their lives that they would just hope would come to know the Lord. So question for you. Have you been sharing your faith? Have you been, on an ongoing basis, telling people about Jesus? The answer to that should hopefully be yes. The next part of it is when. When do you do that? I think in our Christian culture, we've even identified it that there are times in which we become evangelistic. The answer should be always, in everything that we do. So your job in evangelism, so look at this list. What do you think is your job in the midst of us moving into this conversation about sharing with others? Is it your job to convince and convict hearts, to judge people's actions, to fix the wrongs of the world? Like, I can do it. I can point out everything that's wrong, and I can proclaim to people around what should be right. Are we God's morality police in our home, with our friends, with our families? Is this the list that we should be going after? So if you, if you checked any of these boxes, I'm sorry you failed. <laughs> uh, I'm going to show you what our role is. And the starting point is making sure we clearly understand the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The Holy Spirit has two places. Just read with me as I read this aloud. But I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. So this is Jesus talking to his disciples. And he's saying, hey, listen, I got to go. And you can understand their angst. They're like, what are you talking about? Why would it be better for you to go? He says, if I do not go away, the helper... The comforter, the advocate, the intercessor, the counselor, the strengthener, 
the standby, will not come to you. But if I do go, I will send him, who is the Holy Spirit, to you, to be in close fellowship with you. Secondly, and he, when he comes, will convict the world about the guilt of sin and the need for a savior, and about righteousness, and about judgment, about sin, and the true nature of it, because they do not believe in me and my message. About righteousness, personal integrity, and godly character, because I am going away, my father, to my going away to my father, and you will no longer see me. But about judgment and the certainty of it, because the ruler of this world, which is Satan, has been judged and condemned already. See, the Holy Spirit plays two roles. For those who are walking with the Lord, who have been filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, He is your counselor. He's your strengthener. He's your comfort. He's your advocate. He's the revealer of truth. He's the one that speaks from the throne room to your heart and to your ears. But then there is a lost world. He doesn't speak the same way. To the lost world, He convicts them of sin, being guilty of sin before the Lord God Almighty, of righteousness and judgment, because they don't believe in Jesus, they don't believe in righteousness, and that they or anyone else would ever be judged. So the role of the Holy Spirit becomes incredibly important. The problem is we think that we are the Holy Spirit when it comes to evangelism. We think that it's our job to go out and convince and convict hearts. You do not have the power to change people's hearts. You are not the Holy Spirit. You are not Jesus. We are, however, to be a reflection of the character of Christ and the heart of the Holy Spirit. Your job is to model repentance, to model it in your life, to be teachable, to come to places and make mistakes before your children and say, I'm sorry. I've come to Sam many times where I've just, man, I'm sorry. I acted inappropriately. I spoke harshly. And in that, I'm modeling repentance. I'm modeling what it looks like. I'm modeling forgiveness. I'm an example of God's grace. I want to move in such a way that I get the people around me that aren't saved are going to make decisions that are sinful, that are not in line with the Holy Spirit. And as Gus said, I'm going to move with grace. I'm not going to condemn, but I'm going to have compassion. Your job is to focus on your own junk. You got enough to deal with yourself. Really be honest. The junk that you're dealing with inside and outside, the decisions that you're making, really that's your job. Stop pointing out other people's faults. Stop going on whatever media platform you have. Start, stop looking at the things that everyone else is doing worse than you and just really look at yourself and examine that to a way that you will set an example to the people around you as a model of who Christ is and live a life of truth. Make sure that you live in such a way that people are going to say, hey, what's going on in your world? The question that I have for you today comes out of 1 Peter 3.15. I'm going to show you two verses, one in NIV and the one in the Amplified Version. It says this, But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an account, an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. The nuggets in here are be prepared to those who ask. So my question is, how many times have you been asked recently about your hope? It's a great litmus test for you. you know, so if you're saying, man, I've never been asked, why? 
Why do you think that might be? I get asked all the time because I hand out a card and it says pastor and chaplain. You think that works? Not always. Do you know why people ask me? It's I just involve myself in their life. I involve myself in a way that I'm in, in their business. At some point, they're going to ask, are people asking you? Are people asking, what's different? Give me some advice. Help me with my situation. I see how you're raising your children. I see how you work. I see the integrity and the morality and the decision processes that you make, and it's different than the world around me. Do the people that you are around know that you are a follower of Jesus, and that's why you make those choices? But in your hearts, set Christ apart as holy, acknowledging him, giving him first place in your lives as Lord, which means he dictates everything that you do. Not you, but him. And always be ready to give a logical defense to anyone who asks you to the account for the hope and the confident assurance being elected by faith that is within you. Yet do it with gentleness and do it with respect. So I love the amplified version. I, I always go there, I read, and then I go there because it just, it's colorful. It gives clarity. It highlights some important points. And in this, I want to make sure that as we move, we see our role as being a witness in such a way that we live so that people might ask. And the first point in that is obedience. To be obedient is incredibly important. We are all ministers of the gospel. We are all called priests and co-laborers in Christ Jesus. So there's a confusion in the church. There's a confusion between doing ministry and not doing ministry. You are as responsible as I am as being a minister of the gospel. Just because I'm up here behind this pulpit this morning does not mean that I'm more important in sharing the gospel. Everyone who is a follower of Jesus Christ is a minister of the gospel. You are a priest. Every single one of you, I don't care how old you are, I don't care what job you're in, God has placed you there to be a minister. My job is just to equip you and tell you to go. Go and be that, be that witness, be that example, and be obedient with the opportunities placed in your life. Respond when presented with chances to be able to proclaim the things that you know to be true. Like, I've been working really hard in my conversations with people to make sure that I include scripture. And I'll even say it. So this whole last week, I'll be in, I was in a meeting with the commander and the, and the sergeant who's overseeing a wellness program. And so we're talking about what does it mean to be well. So I'm, I'm throwing out scripture. I say, hey, just so you know, I'm just gonna, this is what it says in the Bible. And then I was in a, a meeting a couple days earlier. Hey, just so you know, this is what it says in the Bible. And just finding out people's responses, it's intriguing because they're like, man, that makes sense. They know who I am because I tell them. I'm obedient with the way that I move. I, go, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but I never wanted to be a pastor. And here, you are. And here I am. N nothing in it was intriguing to me. One, I don't feel like I was going to be capable enough. I still don't sometimes. But moved in obedience. My goal is to move in obedience. I didn't want to be a chaplain. Moved in obedience. A couple years ago, my wife and I were confronted with three little girls at our doorstep, basically. I did not want to take three girls into my home. Sam was there, Micah was there, Ellie was there. I was, it was already chaotic, right? But in obedience, I knew that God was moving me, do it. 
And in the midst of that, I was able to hear their story. I was able to listen in a way that I never would have. I learned things about them. We were able to preach, teach, to encourage, to fulfill. They're no longer in our house. They're back with grandma and now birth mom. But I know that in those months, if I hadn't have been obedient, my, if maybe my wife is more obedient. My wife hadn't been more obedient. We would have missed the opportunity. Obedience sometimes is easy, but not always. So the first step in making sure we involve ourselves with the story of people around us is be obedient. Speak and move based upon the Lord's calling and not your convenience. Secondly, listen. I, I think um, we talk too much. I talk too much. I have to be very cognizant to shut up because oftentimes in our conversation, we listen so that we can bring the story back to ourselves, don't we? Well, let me tell you what I did. When all along we should just be asking, tell me your story. Just tell me your story. Tell me what's going on in your world. Tell me what's happening. What are you struggling with? What are you loving? What's making you upset? Good questions are like a shovel. They dig into people's life and they remove the surface layer of small talk and everyday platitudes. Listen, because the Holy Spirit is already working. There's not one person in the world to which the Holy Spirit is not revealing the message of God. No one is without excuse. Romans 1.20 says that since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. So listen to what it is that God is already doing in someone's life. Don't walk up to him and think, hey, finally, the Holy Spirit's arrived and I'm here and I'm now going to be the one that closes the deal. Now, Billy Graham did that a lot. Sometimes I wish I could have had Billy Graham's life because he had masses coming forward. But most of us in this room are going to be point one, point three, point seven, point fifty, and a hundred points in which the Holy Spirit is bringing people around. Make sure you listen and figure out what your point is so that you can discover. Discover their story. What is happening in their life? Are there similarities to your story? Are there similarities to God's story? Discover the doorway being created by the Holy Spirit which is re rejuvenating hearts and moving people towards repentance. So the, the goal in this is really important. I believe that there are doorways to hearts that God is trying to open. And we've got to look for those doorways. Bear in mind that the doorway that you came to the Lord through might not be the same doorway that they're being led through. That's why we've got to be obedient. That's why we've got to listen. And that's why we have to discover and in the end, our goal is to connect. We want to draw these lines of grace, lines of hope, repentance, and truth together. Maybe it'll be like Milt, a great husband, a great father, one that gave more than many Christians that I know. Maybe they're stuck together in that similarity. Maybe Milt is going to be able to share his story of how it took him 25 years to make a decision. But in the rest of your life, Mel, you make decisions like that. But why? Maybe it's Sue, loving mother with a little stubborn side. You said it, not me. It didn't, it didn't make it to the video, but I saw it many times. <laughs> a woman that was passionate about what was doing right and in the end was led to the Lord by her children and a dear friend. 
not by herself, but by people that knew her story and engaged with her story, and now they sit with us today with honest and authentic stories. So in all of that, our goal as followers of Christ is to be honest and to be authentic. You don't have to make things up. You don't have to colorize it a little bit or you know, bring extra to the story. Be you. Share your story in a way that it's relevant to the people around you. And listen to those points where people are connecting. So in that, their story might connect with God's story. A little bit quicker, a little bit more. You might be able to say, I, I, I've heard about that in Scripture. There's, there's a parable in there that I want to reveal to you. Or maybe they connect to your story. And in that, you're going to connect them all together so that in the end, our stories are so intertwined. And this is three-story evangelism. So the goal of the next two weeks, Gus will be preaching next week. You are preaching next week, right? Okay, good. Um, and then in two weeks, I'll be closing us in this. And then we get to head into apologetics. Because I want us to have confidence. I want us to be able to answer those questions in a defendable way. Not a mean way, but a gentle and respectful way. We get defensive when we don't know the answers. And we go after people. So part of this is knowing people are going to ask you tough questions. And I really want you to be able to answer them. So your application today is this. I want you to make sure that you continue to look towards obedience. Challenge yourself to be a good listener when you're interacting with people around you that don't know Jesus. Discover their story. Discover what God's doing in their world. And then be creative about connecting it to your story and the Lord's story. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you would use us. You don't need to, but you choose to. Help us to align ourselves with what it is you're doing in our lives in your glory, and in our interaction with the people that are around us. Help us to move at your pace. Help us to be about moving people one step closer to you and everything that they are and everything that they do. pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen. I just wanted to say thank you to Nana and Papa for sharing their story. It's really powerful and just so grateful for the journey that you guys went on um, and that we all went on together as a family. Um, with Papa um, coming to know Jesus, like I, I'm sure Malia remembers too, but just days that were like on our way to school or prayers after dinner just as we're going to bed as mom's tucking us in just always be sure on a regular basis to pray for papa that he would come to know jesus and um yeah i'm just so grateful that we're also grateful that you're going to join us all up in heaven we just love you a lot papa so thank you for sharing and and you are leading us all now still towards Christ, just through your example. So, yeah. Thanks, Papa.
so forgetful But you always remind me You're the only one who brings me peace I'm so forgetful But you always remind me You're the only one who brings me peace You're the only one who brings me peace So I come Lord, I come I come Lord, I come To tell you I love you Tell you there's no better place for me than in your arms To tell you I'm sorry for running in circles For placing my focus on the waves, not on your face Come.
So we're going to end with one more song. Um, this is a new song for us, um, but I love this song just because it really represents this idea of our story and God's story merging. And um, it says, I saw Satan fall like lightning. I have resurrection power. And these things are all true because of the Holy Spirit in us and through us. And our stories have power. Um, because of the power of the Holy Spirit. And um, it's just so, so cool to um, just think about our entire lives and our stories and see all of those moments where um, we were confused or um, really, really suffering. And, but we can look back and say that was God's hand. That was him working. And um, so, yeah, our stories have power and um, when we share, share this to others that they can see, they can tell um, that that is um, the power of something bigger and um, that they, they can um, make sense of all the things happening in their lives if they only had that missing piece and um, we have that. And so, yeah, let's, let's stand and end with this song. Um, yeah. Just a add on to that a little bit it's it's one thing when we like when we're told stories of the bible when we read the bible god has written it in a way that it's very relatable to us today but when we share our story with people or we we hear other people's stories it's just that much more relatable and tangible that god it was not just working then he's working now so let's declare that yeah Satan fall like lightning I saw darkness from for cover But the miracle that I just can't get over My name is registered in heaven I believe in signs and wonders I have a resurrection power Just can't get over My name is registered in heaven And my praise belongs to you forever This is my testimony From death to life Cause grace rewrote my story I'll testify By Jesus Christ the righteous I'll justify this is my testimony, this is my testimony, yeah, oh, oh, yeah, oh, come together sons and daughters, 